When I was in primary school, I loved my teachers. I had so many wonderful teachers in primary school and clearly their job, their role in life was to, you know, educate me but make my life wonderful as well. And I would go and I was quite happy to do what they would say and I loved school and I look back so fondly at all the incredible teachers that I had in those primary school years and how much they sewed into my life and did so much for me. In my 20s, I uh, became a chaplain at a local state primary school. And I can remember over the course of just a couple of weeks, sitting and listening to the staff in, in the staff room, whether it was direct conversations or conversations they were having with other people. And over such a short period of time, I realized that there was one staff member who was trying to discern uh, whether they should move to another school and they were looking through education times to like try and find another job. There was another staff member who was trying to decide whether they even wanted to be a teacher anymore and whether they wanted to actually change jobs, change careers. Another teacher uh, was struggling with their home situation with a housemate and they weren't getting along and they were wondering should they move or should they stay and what they should do. And another staff member who was quite young had, was kind of laughing and telling people about a time that they had gone out over the weekend and got highly inebriated and made some really questionable decisions. And I was sitting there thinking, but these are primary school teachers. I mean, they are perfect. They know everything. I mean, they share wisdom and, and give guidance to, to their students. Like they have their whole lives worked out. I couldn't imagine any of my primary school teachers thinking and considering the same things. And yet how unrealistic was that of me? I was still holding a child's view of who teachers were and, and what they should be doing. And really, I think we, we do this even in our own lives. We think at some point in time, in some stage of our life, when we hit a certain age, we're gonna have it all worked out, right? We're gonna know exactly what we should be doing. We're gonna lead with wisdom and do all the right things and make all the right choices until you get to that stage or age of life and realize that you still have so much to do and so much to grow and so much to learn. I think this is true too. And certainly I catch myself thinking this and living like this when it comes to reflecting on Christians as well. And so often as Christians, we think once we make that commitment, once we make that decision, once we become a Jesus follower and we can confidently call ourselves Christians, then our life is sorted. We've got it all worked out. And through the grace of God, we are gonna make wise decisions and we are going to do all good things and our life will be all sorted and all worked out. Until you become a Christian and five minutes later, you realize that that is not the case. 
George H. Morrison, who was a, a preacher in the early 1900s and desired to preach in such a way that everyone would understand. He said it like this, the victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings. The victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings. That if we wanna live our life well, if we wanna follow Jesus in all that he did, if we want to be victorious in our faith, in our life, in following God, then we need to realize that our life is such that we will continue to make choice after choice that is not always good or healthy or wise. And that yet, if we follow Jesus, we have an opportunity of new beginnings every single day. There are many stories in the Bible which teaches us this exact thing and nothing more than the story of Jonah. Now, this is the third week of our Jonah series. So if you haven't been a part of the last two weeks or if you don't know about the story of Jonah, you've kind of come halfway through. We've read chapter three today. So to give you a bit of an idea of what happened before we got to chapter three, we hear about a prophet Jonah. Jonah is a follower of God. Jonah is so committed in his following of God that he is even given the, the gifts and abilities as a prophet. He is there to help the people of God know the best way to live and to give guidance directly from God to the people. And one day, God asks him not to go to his people, but actually to go to the Ninevites, an evil city. And while God tells him to go one way, Jonah jumps on a boat and goes the other way. And sure enough, as he's traveling away from where God had told him to go, a huge storm comes up, the ship is rocked, the sailors are terrified as to what's gonna happen. They try and save themselves by getting cargo off their ship to lighten the load so that the ship is not broken in the storm. And then after a number of events happen, they realize that Jonah is actually the cause of this storm. And Jonah tells them to throw him overboard and that if they throw him overboard, then the storm will disappear. And so even though they are resistant to do so, they throw Jonah overboard, the storm stops. And he is swallowed by a huge fish. And he stays in the fish for three days and three nights where he comes to a point of remembering who God is and reflecting on who he is as a follower of God. And after three days and three nights, he is vomited out of the fish. And then we come to chapter three. And already before we get to chapter three, we see that Jonah has experienced a series of new beginnings over and over again in his life. 
Even though he is a follower of God, he is given gifts and abilities to be able to help others to be good followers of God as well. Here we find that he again needs a series of new beginnings. Verse one in chapter three says it all. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time giving the exact same message, calling him to do the exact same thing. Our God is not just a God of second chances. He is a God who is willing to offer a series of new beginnings. But if we look at Jonah a little bit closer, if we see the life that he leads, we realize really how many new beginnings he actually needed. I mean, to begin with, he was a bit of a failure as a prophet. I mean, you know, we're not to judge, but let's judge, right? Tim told us in the last couple of weeks, I mean, even before this point, Jonah went to a king and gave him this prophecy that was completely wrong and another prophet had to come and correct his work. I mean, he's not really top of his class as far as prophets go in his time. In fact, it's been very easy for us to kind of take the mickey out of Jonah for a very long time. I wonder whether the prophets at the time kind of did the same thing. Someone sent me this cartoon uh, this week. Hey, Jonah, we made you this for you to put on the back of your car. And it's the typical fish sticker with Jonah in the middle. I mean, it's so easy to look at Jonah and think, ah. Oh, he just got it so wrong. As a prophet, he was supposed to go where God sent. And yet even that, he got wrong. Not only was he a bit of a failure as a prophet, he was clearly disobedient to God. Like really obviously, God sent him this way and he went that way. I mean, he was overtly disobedient, and not only was he running away from God's calling, he was running away from God himself, giving up everything, all the gifts and abilities that he had because it was all too hard. He was disobedient to God. And the consequences of Jonah's disobedience and his sin had a huge impact on other people. Can you imagine being in that boat in that storm, these grown men feared for their lives. They were terrified. Like this is going to be the storm that they are telling their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren for all time because they can't believe that they've lived long enough to be able to tell this story. They thought they were going to die. And not only that, but in order to save themselves, they threw cargo over into the water in the hope that the boat would be saved. Now, this was their livelihood. What happens when they turn up at the next dock and they don't have the cargo that they were meant to deliver? This didn't just impact their lives, it impacted the lives of others. This is in a time where they can't just call up Amazon and say, sorry, we haven't got that yet. Can you send us another one, please? Like the consequences of Jonah's decision had an impact on others. We don't live in a silo. 
It impacted other people. And here we find Jonah, three days, three nights, inside a fish. Now, I was amazed at how much theological reflection there is about whether Jonah's skin was bleached because of the, like, stomach juices within the fish. Like, maybe his body was actually changed because of the time he spent there. For me, my concern probably is more around the smell, right? When we were young, my wonderful, wonderful mother discovered that seaweed was an incredible natural fertilizer for your garden. And as an avid gardener herself, I remember one day going for a lovely family trip to the beach, only at the end of the day to be given a bag and asked to pick up seaweed and put it in a bag where we put it in the back of the car and drove all the way home with the windows down because of the stench in the car. And I think we whinged and complained so much about it that she never made us do it again. However, still, if my mother ever goes to the beach, she looks wishfully at the seaweed and we always hear her murmur something about a wasted opportunity. Like this was Jonah's place. This is where Jonah finds himself. In not necessarily a place that you would celebrate and tell everyone about. He was fallen in so many ways and finds himself in places people wouldn't dare to dream to find themselves. And yet, when he's given a second chance, I get the feeling that even when he gets to the point of being obedient to God, he kind of has a very lackluster delivery, right? I mean, he's not champing at the bit to go to Nineveh. He's not like really excited. He's like, wow, my life is totally changed. This is where I'm going to go. I kind of got the feeling that it was kind of like a similar thing as when you ask your children to empty the dishwasher. It's kind of like, Ugh. They know they have to, but they're not going to enjoy it, right? Now, I'm not just picking on my children here. I know I was exactly the same when I was a kid. I'm sure there are many families here that it's the same. Something that you know that you should be doing, that you know you've been asked to do, and yet the way we go about doing things, I just get the sense that Jonah is dragging his heels here. And when he does give his message, it seems like quite a harsh, harsh message to give. I mean, the whole message in itself that is recorded in our scriptures was five Hebrew words. That's all that is recorded of what Jonah says. And when I think of the story of Jonah, I guess knowing what happens in the end, I know that the Ninevites turn and repent and God saves them. And so I always thought that there must have been that kind of message in what Jonah was trying to say to them. But if we look at what his message actually was in Jonah chapter 3, verse 4, he began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming, 
40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's his message. Where is the love? Where is the compassion? Where is the grace and the mercy? I mean, we see at the end of this chapter that God does actually offer all those things. That wasn't Jonah's message. 40 days and you guys are done. Here we find Jonah so broken, so fallen, in such need of a series of new beginnings over and over and over again. And the great thing about our God that we see through the story of Jonah is that God is with Jonah the whole time. As soon as Jonah is disobedient, God doesn't leave him. Ah, well, you've made your decision. You can deal with it now. But no, we see time and time again that God is always with Jonah. Wiersbe, who writes commentaries on this particular passage, says throughout Jonah's time of rebellion, God was displeased with his servant, but he never once deserted him. It was God who controlled the storm, prepared a great fish, and rescued Jonah from the deep. No matter what choices Jonah made, no matter what path he took, no matter what words he said, no matter what he did, God remained with him the whole time and offered up those series of new beginnings time and time and time and time again. Even though Jonah was broken, even though he was disobedient, even though he didn't seem that enthusiastic about the call that he'd been given. God was with him and God offered him a series of new beginnings. You see, we look at the list of all the bad things about Jonah and you know what? We could put anyone's name at the top of that list. We're really honest with ourselves and with each other. We could put our name at the top of that list. So often, we fail in what God's called us to do. We fail to be the person that God has created us to be and calls us to be. So often, we are disobedient to God. We know the right thing to do. We know the right thing to say. We know what we should be doing. And yet we still, time and time again, choose something different. And the sin and the wrong choices that we make, they have consequences for others, for our friends, for our families, for our colleagues. When we make poor choices, when we sin, when we speak poorly, when we speak harshly, and often the consequences have the greatest impact on those that are closest to us and those we're supposed to love the most. And while, thankfully, from what I know of our congregation, we haven't spent three days and three nights inside a fish, but I know for myself I have spent seasons of my life where I have felt in darkness 
and not known how on earth I am ever going to find my way out. And there are times where we lose hope and we lose faith and we lose trust in a God who can do incredible, mighty things. There are times when we are asked to speak up, to deliver a message of hope, and yet we are hesitant. Our delivery is lackluster. Maybe it's in talking to our friends or our family about our faith, about what we do on a Sunday morning, on what drives us to live the way we do. And we hesitate and we hold back. And then there are times in our lives where our message, whether it's about God or not, can come across as harsh and unrelenting. When we're in conflict with other people, when we're struggling in a relationship, do we speak love and compassion and truth? Or do we tend to lean towards being harsh and doing what feels right at the time? You see, just like Jonah, we need a series of new beginnings every single day. And we are so fortunate that we worship a God who loves us and cares for us so much that he offers mercy and grace and forgiveness every single day. Whether you are like Jonah in any part of his life, God offered him forgiveness and he does the same for us. Beth Tanner, who's an Old Testament professor, says this, God will be forgiving because that is the very heart of God. God forgave Jonah over and over again. God forgave the Ninevites, even though they were a great evil city who did horrible things. And it doesn't matter about our past. It doesn't matter about what we have done. God offers us that forgiveness as well. Not just once, not just as a second chance, but a series of new beginnings time and time and time again. In Psalm 30, it says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. This is the God that we worship. This is the God who wants such a close, intimate relationship with each of us so that we can live in a life of a series of new beginnings, not living a life where we are burdened by our own sin. And God loved us so much and desired this for us so much that he gave his only son so that we would have direct access to a relationship with God so that we would know that no matter what has happened, no matter how regularly we sin, no matter how often we fall short, Jesus paid the ultimate price so that we can live in a place of a series of new beginnings where time and time again, we are forgiven and given the freedom to live in that love and that compassion 
that God offered. Because we're even more fortunate than the Ninevites, hearing the words of, the jo of Jonah, the prophet, we live in today's age under the words of Jesus, the prophet. And Jesus was by far a greater prophet than Jonah ever was. I mean, Jonah, failure as a prophet, Jesus was the ultimate prophet. He was literally the word of God here on earth for us to know how to live and know how to come closer to God. Jonah was disobedient to God. Jesus was always obedient to God. Even when times were tough, even when he didn't want to be, even when he was tempted, he was always obedient to God. Even when he wanted that cup passed from him, he said, not my will, but your will. The consequences of Jonah's sin were on other people where Jesus took the consequences of our sin on himself, even all the way to the cross. Jonah was inside a fish for three days and nights. Jesus was inside a tomb for three days. But when he came alive, when he conquered death, it just didn't just impact a huge city of 600,000 people, it changed the destiny of the whole world. And that is the impact that Jesus had. Jonah gave a lackluster delivery. Jesus gave his life for his message. So much so that he was willing to stay true to the truth and the message that God was for all people to the point where they nailed him to the cross for his message. Jonah's message was harsh and to the point. Jesus's message was for all people and it was a message of salvation. Jonah's message was 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. But Jesus's message, which we live under today, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This is the God that we can worship. This is the God who loves us and cares for us and desires to have a relationship with us so much that he is willing through the blood of Jesus Christ, to give us a series of new beginnings over and over and over again. The victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings, not because of what we can do, not because of an incredible message we can have, not because of the gifts and the abilities that we have and that we use, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ who offers us a new beginning each and every day. And so often we think we're not worthy and that we haven't got what it takes and we can't be a good Christian because of this reason or that reason, because of our upbringing, because of our actions, because of our words, because of our thoughts. And yet, the story of Jonah reminds us that if we truly want to be victorious in our faith, in following God, 
in being a follower of Jesus, we need to open ourselves up to a series of new beginnings, to come before God and say, we have messed up again. We have been disobedient. We've been lackluster in our delivery. We've made the wrong choices. We've gone the wrong way. We find ourselves in deep, dark times. And yet, we can still receive the forgiveness through Jesus Christ so that we can live a victorious life to give God the glory for all that we have done. Will you join with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, Lamentations 3 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God, you know us individually. You know our hearts and our minds. You know us even better than we know ourselves. If there is something in our life that we need to put an end to, that we need to ask for forgiveness for, God, we bring it to you right now. We ask you, God, that in your grace and your mercy, forgive us again. Give us a new beginning again. Even if we are asking for this new beginning for the very first time, or maybe it's the 1,000th time we are asking for a new beginning, God, we come and we ask you again. And while we ask with humility, we also ask with confidence, knowing that already, God, you have gone to the cross to take on the punishment of our sin. And we thank you and we praise you and we honour you that it is not through our power that we have a victorious life, but it is through your power and your grace and your mercy. As Jesus took the punishment for us, we can step into a victorious life of new beginnings, fresh every morning. Thank you, God. Thank you that you have this in store for us. Thank you that we are a new creation every single day. We love you and we praise you. And we pray through your Holy Spirit, you will continue to help us to live a life that shows the world that we are just as fallen as everyone else. But we live a victorious life because of the series of new beginnings that you offer to us and to everyone every single day. And we pray this in your gracious but victorious name. Amen.